What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. SpursCast, episode 638. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the SpursCast. Today's SpursCast guest is Project Spurs founder, Michael DeLeon. In this episode, Mike and I will look back at the Spurs' last two losses, the early season DeJounte Murray is having, and the team's three-point shooting. Let's jump right into this episode with Mike. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Spurs are 4-10, but somehow I, f- I, f- I felt fine, and then I... The, the, Whole Thanksgiving holidays coming around the corner, so I'm pretty excited about that. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty good with things. You, you yeah. like how um how whenever the Spurs win, um it's quiet on Twitter. There's like no mentions. There's zero mentions. <laughs> Is it ever and then, quiet? Quiet for sure. Quiet. No, for, for me, it's quiet. I, I rarely get <laughs> yeah. tweets whenever they win. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, it's a nice, nice but evening. And then there's definitely disparity for sure. There's difference yeah. in there. <laughs> and Last was night like, was like, whoa! Like I, I got up and I was. Uh, I, after after the game, I was looking into it, and I was just like, "Oh gosh, it's the crazy has has started." Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, as soon as they lose a game, it's yeah, it gets my mentions get blown up, and then I mean, for me, it's like this is what Vegas said. They said 30 wins. You know, that's what the Spurs are trying to beat here, and so that's kind of what they're on pace. Well, they're already on pace to get those wins. Anyway, let's go ahead and talk about these uh, this this uh, s- some of the latest games here. Uh, Spurs cast listeners, uh, uh, those of you all that listen to each week, we know that uh, I just recorded recently on Saturday, so so which so has only been two games since I last recorded. Uh, and the Spurs, unfortunately, did go 0-2 in these last two games uh, in L.A. against both the Lakers and then the Clippers. So let's go back to Sunday, Mike. The Spurs are on the road against the Lakers for the second time this season. They're facing Los Angeles. They lose this game by eight points. Um, the Lakers were the favorites here. They were favored by two. They were missing LeBron James. They had Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis present. Um, the Spurs did fall behind by 14 in this game, but then they actually fought back and actually got the game into crunch time uh, very late in the game. But, you know, the Lakers then they, they had one final push, and so they kind of got that, that, that win by eight points. And so that does move the Spurs to one and eight now in crunch time because they at least got there. Then on Tuesday, 
Uh, the Spurs suffered another loss uh, here, this time um, against the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, they lost by 14 to the Spurs in this game. The Clippers were favored by 8, which is which is notable because that's the most any Spurs opponent has been favored by uh, Yeah, against the Spurs so far in this early season. So the Clippers were favored by 8. They ended up winning by 14. Um, you know, this was the Spurs were a little competitive in the first half, but then in the third qu- the third quarter in the second half, the the Clippers kind of just took over. They just had too much, you know, too much scoring power uh, with Reggie Jackson, with Paul, with Paul George, uh, other players, and so the Clippers got it built as much as an eighteen point lead, which is basically, um, you know, the the third highest behind um, you know, the the Pacers and, and the Mavs who who have who have had some some big leads in San Antonio. Um, and so they ended up getting the comfortable win. Uh, the Spurs really just struggled for, on offense. You know, they had a pretty good defensive night holding the Clippers to 106. It's just the offense wasn't there again. Uh, the shooting specifically, they shot just 23% from three, which I think was a season low. And then they also shot just one of 11 on wide open three. So just could not make it. Even, even if the shot was wide open, they couldn't get it to go in the, in the, in the basket. So, Mike, what's some of your thoughts on these last two games, these last two losses for the Spurs? Yeah, I mean, the percentages obviously stick out right away, especially when you're 5 of 22. I mean... One of the things I'm noticing is they seem to be shooting fewer. Like, I know they're making yes. fewer, mm-hmm. but they're also, it seems almost like there's some hesitation to shoot. And it's like you have mm-hmm. certain players that were uh, brought in to kind of knock those down, like uh, McDermott and Forbes, and we're st- they're still, you know, those. And we talked about, I think you talked about Derek in the last um, podcast and him, and, th- and mm-hmm. he's making like wide open threes, but other than that, he's, uh, you know, still. Uh, struggling, he's he's bounced back in the last two games, but mm-hmm. there's definitely like where they're not shooting as many. They're not getting to the free throw line very much. I mean, the difference they got to the line like seven times. The Clippers got to the line twenty two times, and it's. I was talking with um, Evan and we were on that uh, uh, the, the open mic earlier. We were talking about how it's kind of a, a trend I've seen this this year with the you know them getting. Uh, to the line, it, it was a little closer against the Lakers, but with a young team, that's kind of like par for the course. I think you're, you're really going to kind of expect mm-hmm. that they're not going to get a lot of calls and they're not going to get that respect just because they are such a young team. Um, so those are two things that really kind of, I think, stood out for me, especially the shooting. I mean, somebody's got to at some point <laughs> start taking over with the, uh, the knocking down some threes because that's been a big difference maker and how badly they're getting outscored. For sure, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Derek there because yes, uh, you know, we, we did uh, discuss Derek on the last episode. Uh, he was kind of the player who was struggling there, and he's had he's had two good games here against the Lakers and Clippers. He he bounced back against the Lakers with ten points, and then I think he got nineteen against the Clippers. So Derek's kind of kind of getting back to to, to where he's uh, his normal production is at. Um, and then and then yeah, Mike, you know, that's the thing is like besides this Clippers game, I know they shot one of eleven from wide open three. They're like actually been having some pretty good accuracy um, numbers. You know, they're, they're, when, we're, when I was looking at their data, I think they're they're seventh in the league in in, in, in three-point accuracy the problem though is they just don't take threes and that that's that's weird because you know when you when you're when you have a pretty good percentage as a team you, you would think that you know those the, the players would want to take more but apparently they, they don't that's just not a shot like you say they kind of shy away from it and, and we're going to jump into that that three-point issue in a little bit here uh, further in the episode because that is something that i do want to discuss because that can end up being you know the, the, a downfall for a team like the spurs who, who don't have a lot of um three-point shooters on the team all right so so um you know looking at these two losses you know th- according to vegas they basically were supposed to lose these these two games that you know like i said the lakers and, Cl- and clippers were both favored in both of these games so they went 0-2 to the spurs they're now 4-10 and on the season which is 13th out west um and they're on a three-game losing streak um they're two games behind the kings though for for 10th in the standing so that's the thing is like 
as bad as everything seems, the, the West is actually playing pretty bad as a whole for for those those bottom end teams. So so the Spurs are kind of still there competitive wise uh, with um, fighting for that playing game. And I, again, as long as they're there, I just don't think they would go you know full tank mode. Um, you know, putting playing all the rookies at one time or all the, uh, their youngest youngest players um, and, until they they fall further from that that playing game spot. Uh, they finally fa- finally fall into um uh into the, the the bottom ten of on offense. They're twenty first on offense now, and then they're they're twelfth on defense. So they improved there a little bit. Uh, the status of Yaka Pertle still unknown. Basically, um you know there is some improvement since I last recorded. Um he's now considered return to competition re- reconditioning. So he's now with the team present. You know on the road trip with them. And, and basically, Coach Pops keeps thinking it, it can happen any day when he gets when he gets cleared to play again. Uh, they were hoping he, Coach Pop was hoping he'd be back against the Clippers. That didn't happen. And then uh, you and I recording this mic on a uh, on a what is this Wednesday evening? Okay. The Spurs have already announced that he is going to be out Pirtle for that game against Minnesota on the road on Thursday. And then uh, just the latest on Jock Landale, um, he's still in, in health and safety protocols. So there hasn't really been an update on, on Jock. Um, any any th- um, thoughts there, Mike? Uh, you know, I mean, just I think they really. That's one kind of area of, of that they're missing is is having uh, Yaku back. I mean, obviously having somebody that's a rim protector, like a legit, legitimate rim protector, um, that kind of hurts not having them, especially him, especially in, against some of the the teams with the uh, you know traditionally big guys. Mm-hmm. And I think it hurts with the lineups. I know people have talked about even using like Kelvin Johnson against centers, and just like I really. Wouldn't want to see that just because it did. This seems like a, a bad mismatch. Um, the Flangel thing, I mean, I'm, he didn't play much before that, so um, you know, I, I honestly don't expect to see him uh, seeing a lot of time lately, but yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, I don't think we're gonna see like uh, such a huge difference with uh, Yaka back, but I think he definitely, especially as well as they played on defense when he's back, I mean, that could really. See their their defense and their ranking uh, rise a little bit in that department. I agree with you there. I think they'll I think they'll get right back into that top ten status whenever Pirtle eventually does return. Um, and then so now let's move on to our second topic here, Mike, and that's that's the play of Dejounte Murray. He's he's you know despite the team you know not having team success that they, they are losing games they have ten, they have ten losses already. Dejounte's playing very well, uh, just in, 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 in so you know in, in setting up his teammates and scoring the ball. So let's let's dive into um you know his game so far on offense first. Um, he is scoring eighteen point nine points per game, which is first on the team, and, and he's the team leader in scoring on seventeen point six shot shot attempts. Uh, he's he's grabbing uh, he's collecting eight point one rebounds, eight point one assists, which is also first on the team. And then uh, he, he's only uh, averaging 2.4 turnovers. He's already had eight of his 14 games where he scored in tw- he scored 20 points or more. So he's already had 20 point games eight times out of 14 games. Um, you know he doesn't get to the line a lot. You know that's not something that you mentioned there, Mike. That the Spurs just don't get to the line. And so Dejounte, you know, is is among that group where he only gets to the line basically once per game. Uh, he does struggle there, sixty eight percent free throw shooting so far. He has increased his three point volume this year, three point nine attempts on thirty three point three percent accuracy. Um, and so now, you know, where do his shots come from? So. Thirty-five percent of his attempts do come from the mid-range. That's the that's his go-to shot. We know that. Twenty-four uh, percent of his his attempts come from that non-restricted area, which is that floater range, which is kind of like that very inaccurate shot range that you don't want to be at. Twenty-two percent of his shots come from three, and then ninety percent of his attempts come from the restricted area. And that one's interesting that yeah. the, that, that, that that the restricted area is last because you know he actually shows that he has this like this quick little blow by that he's been showing lately, where he kind of just like beats his defender and then kind of just like basically like taps the ball um, you know right right at the glass, and he's just like the defense is, is kind of like shocked by how quickly he burns them and kind of gets to the rim. And and I would just want to see if maybe he can he can add, you know add more of those type of drives to his um you know to his arsenal because again he has the he has the ability to get close to the rim and it's just 
just that you know a lot of times he, he he's settling more so for those mid rangers and those um those those kind of floater shots. Um, he let, let's go through his accuracy. How's he how's he um shooting on offense? Forty five percent now from mid range. So he's he's again he's he's continuing to increase that mid range. It's almost getting automatic again. He where he's he's a, he's a really good mid range shooter. But again, at the end of the day, that's never going to be a shot that's worth over a point per shot. Um, his his floaters. He's 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 making forty percent of those. Um, his three, like we mentioned, his three balls at thirty three percent, and then um he's seventy percent in the restricted area. So again, he's shooting a very good number when he does get to the closest area of the basket. Uh, he does lead the team in drives right now, um, and forty nine percent of the time he's going to pass the ball out to a teammate. So he's he's the main uh, player who has to set up the offense for the team, uh, and then thirty nine percent of the time he shoots it. Um, you know when he's on the floor, he's he, uh, amongst rotation players. He basically has the best um, points uh, points per um, possession. Uh, he, he's at zero point two five five, and then even in the clutch, he has the best points per possession number among players who have played. So, so you understand why the Spurs give it to him, uh, the ball in his hands in, in, in those clutch situations. And then you can really see that teams are, are a little worried about uh, Dejounte specifically and trying to slow him down because a lot of some some teams have put their best defenders on him even when he's not matched up with them. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks have put Drew Holiday on him. Uh, multiple times now the Dallas Mavericks have made Dorian Finney-Smith their best defender from the perimeter guard DeJounte and then even against the Oklahoma City Thunder the um, the Thunder wanted Lou Dort their best defender um, um, perimeter wise on DeJounte and then uh, just last, lastly uh, cleaning the glass says that when DeJounte is on the floor the Spurs are out uh, are scoring uh, 13.5 more points per 100 and that's in the 94th percentile amongst guards so that's a very elite number right there so I know it's a lot of information Mike what, what are your thoughts on DeJounte on offense so far? I mean, really, I mean, this was uh, a question we had before the season starting was who was going to step up and who was going to take that next step and then, you know, end up leading the team. And I think we have our answer now. It's definitely DeJounte. And what I like is that even regardless of, you know, who they put in front of him, the one thing that you can say about him is he's been consistent. Like, yes, his numbers mm-hmm. don't waver a whole lot, like, from game to game. And I think that's something important because that's been one of the biggest issues with the current roster the way it is is, like, Keldon Johnson will have a great game, and then, you know, we'll, we'll struggle. I mean, we've talked about um, Derek White's uh, struggles. Lonnie Walker, mm-hmm. you know, will do, go off. And so you really need that one player that they can count on. They, they they need a second player to kind of jump in there. But, I mean, the type of season he's having, man, I, it's kind of – you can't really find fault. I mean, he seems like he's definitely got to be in – I know it's early, but he's got to be at some point in the All-Star uh, conversation – Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there, I think uh, Spurs tweeted. I want to say this was yesterday that he was the fastest to reach 250 points, 100 rebounds, and 100 assists to start a season in Spurs oh, wow. history through 14 games. And it's just like I don't think you can really ask much. I mean, and, and aside from getting it done on offense, I mean, I know we're going to go into his defense too, but I mean, he's been solid on both ends of the court. So um, it's just uh, it, it's been really cool to see him kind of firmly take that step forward, kind of what I think a lot of people have expected to see out of him, and he's kind of like finally, uh, you know, uh, showing that part of his game that, that we all expected to see at some point. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However, they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. 
Everyone can play the huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in top prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, no, for sure. And just like, you know, defensively, we kind of know what he does. He's just a really good player there. And of course, you know, he leads the team in multiple metrics here, leads the team in deflections, leads the team in steals, uh, defensive rebounding, really one of the best guards in the NBA at, at rebounding the ball defensively. Uh, and then you also see that he gets some of some of the tougher matchups as well. You know, it's not like he, you know, he, it's not like he has an e- easy night on defense. Uh, or, or, uh, really, he's, he's, he's had to guard players like Drew Holiday. He's had to guard Russell Westbrook multiple times now. Luka Doncic multiple times. When they played the Thunder, he was responsible for guarding Shea Gildas Alexander and and then when, he, when they played the Sacramento Kings, he was responsible for guarding De'Aaron Fox. Uh, and then the numbers show, they know the Spurs are playing well with him on defense. Uh, when he's out on the floor, DeJounte, the opponents are scoring 7.6 fewer points per 100 with him on the floor. And then lastly, kind of something you just you just mentioned there, Mike, you know, he's just playing really well. And, and some different models see that um, in, in their data. Uh, so, um, you know, when he's out on the floor, according to Cleaning the Glass, the Spurs are outscoring opponents by 21.1 points per 100. That's in the 93rd percentile amongst guards, which is an elite number to be in. And then um, you know, ProfitX uh, is a site that kind of has a model where they look at a player's career, uh, career projection right now. And DeJounte, according to their data, their model, DeJounte is playing like an all-star right now. You know, at, at this, it's, again, it's early. It's only 14 games in the year. But so far, the production that he's bringing to the Spurs is that of, of an all-star. And then, um, you know, we just look at his contract. Yes, we know he's making $15.4 million, But according to ProfitX, he's playing like a player that earns $29.1 million. So I think that, you know, if he continues this, Mike, up until, you know, the all-star voting begins here in a few in a few months. And then, you know, when it closes in February or, or January, whenever that is, do you feel like, because if the team's not having any success, it's going to be hard for him to make the All-Star team again. If he's having very similar numbers, but the team's kind of in the same situation where they're just not one of those, you know, top 10 teams in the West. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen that with like some Rose in the past couple of years where even though he had really good numbers and, you know, his assist numbers were up and everything else was up where because of the, uh, I guess, the lack of success that hurt his case. Uh, and not only that, but in the Western Conference, like guards, there's like so many guards that will really have kind of a case for being selected. So it's going to be tough regardless. But, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, that would be a hard snub, but I can definitely see where it might uh, happen. Yeah, so no, no, for sure. I, I totally agree with you. It's just, you just brought up DeRozan as a, as a perfect example. And then I think something that we don't see a lot so far is like every week when, this, when the NBA releases their um, their, their um, Player of the Week uh, nominees and like who, who wins the Player of the Week, I, I used to get used to seeing, you know, De- DeMar DeRozan and then in years past, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge. Even, even again, um, you know, in, even in those seasons when they weren't sometimes selected as All-Stars. But this year, you, you just haven't seen any Spurs players in, in those weekly um, nominees. And I think it's because of the team's, you know, record. They're basically almost like losing each week, it's, it looks like, on the 
the majority of those weeks. So, so I think that's why you know the players aren't going to get any kind of like you know uh, NBA league wide um, recognition. So, so um, you know maybe de- uh, so so again, what kind of see? I wasn't say defensive team. He probably has a really good chance because he, even though if you have a top ten defense, you're going to be you have a good shot there. But again, as far as all star, I think that yes, he is playing like an all star so far earlier in the year, but he may not get that chance to be on the team because of the, the team success. They're just not having that kind of success right now. So Dejounte though individually is having a really good year so far to start this this season. And then our, our third topic, Mike, uh, let's just discuss the an, an early analysis of the Spurs' three-point shooting because we're, we're basically now at 14 games of data here. And this is kind of a trend that has kind of hurt this team in the past, why, why they just cannot find success is, is they keep losing this battle here at the, at the three-point line. So when we look at, you know, how, how are they, where are they winning and losing games um, when we just look at their overall numbers? Um, they're basically um, scoring on twos. We're talking about paint and mid-range. They're outscoring their opponents by 96 points. But then now they're losing the three-point line by 84 points, and then they're losing the uh, free-throw line by 25. So again, again, that three-point line is starting to very slowly start to have a huge um, buildup where, where, it's, where they just cannot, you know, as, as good as they are scoring in the paint and things like that, the fact that they don't get to the free-throw line and then they, if they're, they're not going to shoot a lot of threes, it's going to be tough for them to, to win games. And, and this is where, where we see some, some, some of these numbers. So right now, um, you know, through 14 games, they are um, 29th in three-point attempts, 29.1 attempts. Like I said earlier, they're 7th in accuracy. They're making 35.8% of their, their, their threes. They're actually a top-10 three-point shooting team in accuracy, but they just don't take threes. Uh, they don't get many wide-open threes. They only take 13.2 per game, which is 28th. And then their, their wide-open three accuracy has dropped. They were a top-10 team there, but after that Clippers game going 1 of 11, they actually dropped to 15th. They're, they're making 38% of their wide-open threes. Uh, you know, eight of their 10 losses have come when they lose the three-point line in a game. So, again, we see 80% of their losses are because they, they just don't win that three-point battle. And then um, 46% of their attempts are wide open. The league average is 49%. Uh, when we look at two, so who are their high-volume shooters? Um, we know that that Bryn Forbes, um, you know, 56% of his attempts uh, come from three. He shoots well there, 43% so far. We do know that he's not playing a lot of minutes right now because Pop wants you know more of those younger players getting minutes. He also wants more uh, more players who are defensive, you know, ha- have more of a defensive side on, of their of their game. Doug McDermott is second, who who takes 55% of his attempts from three. He's shooting well, 46%. Here's one of the players who we mentioned earlier, Mike, or her, her you mentioned earlier. Um, you said um, uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth. 54% of his, his attempts come from three, so the team is relying on him for his outside shooting, and he's really struggling right now. He's only making 31% of his, of his, of his threes. Uh, Devin Vassell, 49% of his attempts come from three. He's making 40%, so he's shooting well. Uh, player who we mentioned earlier, Derek White, 44% of his shots come from three. He's making 31%. And then, you know, DeJounte, uh, Keldon, uh, and then, you know, they only take 22% of their shots from three. And then Eubanks, Young, and Pirtle, who are their three bigs that they play, they, they basically don't take threes at all. Um, so I, I know it's a lot of information. What are your thoughts right now um, with this team starting to finally, you know, starting to, to lose that, that, that big gap in three-point scoring? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's kind of eye-opening, uh, you know, some some of the numbers you put up, especially when, I mean, I think the wide open three is obviously is definitely 20, when they're 28th, uh, that, that's uh, definitely concerning. And then where you see, like, the the difference it has in the game is, is definitely, I mean, I think, you know, obviously you can't control if a shot falls or not, but... You know, Lonnie is obviously the, the guy that shoots the most. I think he shoots, like, maybe, like, uh, I want to say close to five a game or around five a game, and he's making about, you know, 30% of those. Um, and so, Devin Vassell, it, with with his minutes, he, he shoots a high volume, but then, you know, his minutes have been kind of sporadic. And so, that's one where I think a lot of sports fans have been saying, maybe you 
So I've been uh, Devin and starting line up in place with Derek White just because he had been struggling a lot from three and making those uh, those shots. So there, there's they have you know some some players that you you would expect to knock them down, but then it's it's like you said, there's a lot of players that either take very few of them or just don't take them at all. I mean, I think like the Adios Young doesn't take really any at all and a lot mm-hmm. of the other big guys. So it's something that will continue to be fun, especially if it's, I think if it's as wide as it has been recently. I mean, that's just math. I mean, <laughs> you're just getting down to it. Exactly. Yes. You yes. Gotta, you said it perfectly there. Yeah. You got, you got to make, you got to make those shots and you already got to find a way to, to, to compete. Or you uh, got to take them, basically. Like you were right. saying earlier today, you were saying you, it feels like they just shy away from them, right? So. Yep. Yeah, I'm actually trying to real quick. I'm trying to actually pull up last year the the data. So let me let me see here. I got it right here. Yes, like you just said, it's 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 basically math at the end of the day, and that was their issue last year. I'm, I'm pulling. Oh, here it is. Okay, so so they last year they outscored a teams on twos mid range and paint by 256 points. They outscored teams at the free throw line. Now this is because they had DeRozan uh, by 126 points. So they basically won paint, mid range, and, and free throw. But then they got outscored by 507 points from the three-point line. So it kind of just engulfed everything that they were doing with the two-pointers and the, and the free throws. And so this team's even in, in, in a little bit of a worse shape because they, they're not winning the free-throw line battle this year. They're just not going to win that with the, with the younger players who don't get to the line. So, so yeah, I, I, do you think, Mike, that – this is just interesting to thought. Um, you know, do you think maybe there's also this, – this is just kind of continue to be a problem, the fact that their two top scorers, which are Keldon – I mean, which are DeJounte Murray and Keldon Johnson, they just really don't take a lot of threes and this is not part of their game. I know Keldon's doing better now. He's making 36 percent of his threes but again he only takes those if he really has to what are are your thoughts there that the fact that they're two top go-to guys right now just aren't aren't you know heavy volume shooters from the outside i mean i think that's definitely an issue i mean that's definitely something that has an impact if you look at the top two shooters across the Mm -hmm. league from teams one of those guys at least is going to be a three-point shooter somebody that knocks down that three it's almost kind of like a necessity these days with the the way the league is that you know if one of them can can knock down that shot and you're right i mean both of those guys prefer to drive, and the three-point line is just kind of like where they start their drives. And so, you know, you'll see Dejounte take a step back every once in a while, or when he has space, he'll exactly. take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Keldon. Uh, you know, like his his percentages aren't bad, but then you know, it's it's basically you know how much he's actually taking, and then you know, if if that number increases, like how much does the percentage go down? You know, like so. That's that's definitely something, especially when you have other players who normally uh, shoot well from three and just aren't taking the shots or just aren't making enough of them. Yeah, so no, no, I, I agree with you there, and, and so yeah, I was really interested because like early on when the when the when the season first started, Dejounte was taking some of those pull up threes, like when defenders would go under him on screens, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh wow, he's going to add that to his game, and then he's kind of shied away from those a little bit now that he's getting his mid range shot back. It's getting it's getting a, a you know becoming a more accurate shot for him again. So so again, I just I just wonder, you know, you know, as 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 you know, maybe maybe Lonnie eventually gets it together, maybe Derek White eventually gets it together, but even if they do, the fact that your top two your two top scorers aren't really three point you know three point high volume shooters, I think that that's still going to put your team in a, in a very bad place in terms of trying to win the three-point line um and then just looking at well you know their their, their wide open three-point percentage a lot of that the, that that responsibility falls on the shoulders of Keldon johnson um Derek white and lonnie walker and and three of those two of those three players are struggling on those wide open threes so Keldon right now um i know he's doing better you know in the overall in threes um 
Uh, he, 55% of he, the most on the team out of core players are attempted wide open, so teams are leaving him open on purpose. He's making 30% of those shots from three on wide open threes. Derek is shooting well on, on wide open threes, like I talked about this past weekend. 51% of his attempts come from wide open three. He's making 42% of them. And then Lonnie's having trouble here. 48% of his shots are, are wide open, and he's only making 25%. So, so Lonnie um, you know, would be one of the players that you, that they want, want to to pick that number up. And then teams, you can tell, don't let, don't like to let Devin Vassell get open. They don't like to let Doug McDermott get open. They don't like to let... Um, Brent Forbes get open um so do you have any thoughts there on those wide open threes you know the one thing I was kind of wondering about this whole time is is that it seems like uh it seems like to me McDermott does really well off like a curl screen or something like that and so mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they be served uh well by maybe running a few more of those types of plays for him because he seems to be able to it doesn't take him long to get into a spot and gather and, and shoot and he seems to do pretty well uh from there on those so you know I I I'd like to see maybe a few things called for him more just because he's shown that he can um, knock it down. I'm not sure, you know, obviously if that's going to help, but uh, it's it's something that might be worth looking into. Okay, yeah, so, so no, that, that's definitely something to look at. Um, you know, maybe, maybe uh, like you said, you know, featuring McDermott a little bit more and trying to get him. But again, I think at the end of the day, too, like what you said earlier was just like, I just think that the fact that, you know, they their two top two guys don't take threes as much, that can end up just being a, a problem overall. So again, that'll be something to watch Spurs Cast listeners is, you know, as 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 um you know even, again if the Spurs they're number I think they're like number two in scoring in the paint as long as even though all that's hanging together if they're just not taking threes and you know and like Mike said earlier it's just math at the end of the day and, and so if they end up starting to lose that three point line continually we do see that eighty percent of the losses are coming from losing the three point line. All right, um, so before we wrap up this episode, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein is getting ready for the draft with his latest piece called um, Prospect Watching Tank for Bonchero is in full swing. Uh, there's a game by game analysis by Stephen Michael whenever the Spurs play. Uh, Mike, you, you like you mentioned earlier, you you have the uh, the new thing on Twitter called the uh, Spurs Open Mic. So make sure to check that out. Spurs cast listeners, follow Mike, and then whenever he does the Spurs Open Mics, make sure you join and listen up. I mean, listen in to his his analysis and his conversations. Um, Rocky Garza Jr. Uh, ha- he continues to preview the upcoming games of the week, and then Evan Townsend um, uh, has his latest piece called "The New Faces of the Austin Spurs." Thanks to Mike for joining me here on the Spurs Cast and for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at Project Spurs. Stay safe and have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.